Now then, if you'll turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 11, we're going to be looking at verses 7 and following through chapter 12, verse 7. Now this will be a two-part sermon, so don't get scared about being here too long. Title of the message is This One Thing. Now please forgive me if I pronounce this guy's name incorrectly. Just go with me feel sorry for me, and you can tell me later how it's pronounced. But I will ask you a question. Did anyone in here see City Slickers? The movie? Okay. I'm going to call his name Jack Palace. Palace? Palace. Okay. I'll call him Jackie Boy. And Billy Crystal, Okay. The movie was City Slickers, and uh, Jack is giving Crystal some strong medicine for life that he doesn't want to take. Now, this is a scene from the movie, so just stay with me. Jack and Crystal, or Billy, uh, are riding slowly across the range on horseback. They're discussing life and love, and Jack plays a wily cowboy, he's an older guy, while Crystal is a tenderfoot from Los Angeles who is paid for a two-week dude ranch vacation. You've heard about that, a lot of guys from City Golden do this. So Crystal learns something very important about himself during this time. Now this is the conversation going on. Jack says, cowboys lead a different kind of life, at least when they were cowboys. They're a dying breed now. Still means something to me. In a couple of days, we'll move this herd across the river, drive them through the valley. Ah, there's nothing like bringing in the herd. Crystal says, you see, that's great. Your life makes sense to me. He's a city slicker. Jack laughs. laughs. Crystal, what? What's so funny? Jack says, you city folk, you worry a lot, don't you? How old are you? 38, Crystal, 39, yeah, Jack says, you all come out here about the same age, same problems, spend 52 weeks a year getting knots in your rope, then you think two weeks up here will untie them for you, none of you get it, long pause. Do you know what the secret of life is? Crystal, no, what? Jack, your finger, Crystal says, this one thing, just one thing, you stick to that, 
and nothing else matters. Crystal, that's great. But what is this one thing? Jack, that's what you've got to figure out for yourself. Well, throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon has said that there are some things you just cannot know. We've seen this. Now he tells us that there is this one thing, one thing that you can know. He said it before. What is it? This one thing. You're getting old and decrepit and you're going to die one day. That one thing is for sure, unless you're taken prematurely, before old age. So aren't you glad that you've been studying Ecclesiastes with me to find out this one thing? Yep. But whether we're young or old or somewhere in between, the preacher, Solomon, does tell us that you can still celebrate life. Matter of fact, you should celebrate life, he tells us. If you're a believer in Christ, you should celebrate the joys of life, whether you're young, whether you're middle-aged, or whether you're old or getting older than old. But with that being said, the preacher is also honest about troubles that come with growing older, isn't he? He's told us a lot of this, and he certainly does in this chapter. And by the wisdom of the Spirit, he gives a series of calls that can help us live well, however young or old we may be. So first of all, Solomon calls for us to rejoice. That's the first thing. He calls for us to rejoice. Look in verses 7 through 9. And we'll take these as we go along. But verses 7 through 9, it says, uh, The light is pleasant, and it is good for the eyes to see the sun. Indeed, if a man should live many years, let him rejoice in them. You see, we're to rejoice in them all, and let him remember the days of darkness, for they shall be many. In other words, they're coming upon all of us. Everything that is to come will be futility. So he goes on, he says, rejoice, young man. And that's the second one that he's going to be talking about. So we'll talk about these two in just a moment. But first of all, those who live long, we're to rejoice. Rejoice in growing old, in other words. The call is especially here for older people to begin with. We'll talk about the younger one in just a few moments. The people who have lived, he says, many years. Solomon says that in spite of the uncertainties that life may bring, life is still good. It is good. It's wonderful to be alive, even when it doesn't cooperate. And how many times does life not cooperate with it? Life is still an amazing adventure. So it's difficult to know when he mentions the days of darkness when it's used here by the preacher, whether it means trials and problems in life or whether it's referring to the end of life. And since he mentions the end of life in the next chapter, he goes on to speak about that. It probably is a continuing thought here that uh, moves throughout it. And so... Uh, I would, you know, it could refer to either one, but I would 
uh, probably say it refers to the latter. So if that, with that being said, Solomon uses the days of darkness as that of getting old or older. You know, part of the curse of a falling world is that we break down, isn't it? I mean, our bodies break down. There is no fountain of youth. Our bodies begin to break down and we grow older. Instead of letting the fact scare us, though, the preacher's telling us uh, that it should, you know, we should not become discouraged and depressed. Instead, we should enjoy life right now. Enjoy the life that we have. Life is given to us for enjoyment. Now, do all of us do that when we get sick and other things? No. It's hard to do that in those times. But he says we are to learn to rejoice, to look at it as a gift from God. You know, he, he doesn't say that uh, as the world ta- thinks that the secret of enjoyment is possessions. Matter of fact, Jesus told us in, in Luke 12, 15, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. As we've seen and we'll see in chapter 12 of Ecclesiastes that it is knowing God and walking with God that brings the blessings to each and every life. What a joy it is to live for many years. Not only because we have more time to serve the Lord in sowing and reaping, as Ecclesiastes talked about in in chapter 11, verses 1 through 6, but also because we have more opportunity to enjoy the goodness of life that God has before us. And we miss that a lot of times. We see all the ugliness that is there because of sin, don't we? One old saint who was feeling the effects of his age was asked if he was discouraged or thought he might get discouraged as time went by. He replied, not at all, because with the Lord, life gets better and better. You see, that's the way it should be for the faithful faithful saint. Long life is a blessing from God. Now, I'm not saying that at times we don't feel the difficulties, because we do. And at times, I'll just be honest with you, my eyes get focused on the difficulties more so than the Lord. I'm human, just like anybody else. But he says, if we can refocus, if we can keep our eyes on the Lord and see that this is a day that he has us around and there's beauty within it. With a long life, the psalmist says, I will satisfy him and let him behold my salvation. That's the way we should look at it. As a blessing from God. Solomon tells us, the light is pleasant. And it is good for the eyes to see the sun. And we know that in Hebrew this is poetry and not meant to be taken literally everything in there. It's picturesque, it's symbolic uh, Hebrew. And the reader is expected uh, to feel the romance that goes with this. The rhythmic beauty uh, of the wise man's counsel here uh, that comes from God. Frequently through the scriptures references to light and sunshine are used to describe the warmth of God. In Psalm 27, 1, uh, we see the, the gracious salvation and the warmth that comes from the love of God. It says, uh, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? In other words, the psalmist is letting us know that when we are enveloped in God's love, 
knowing him personally and having a close walk with him, there should be no fear. And so, uh, you know, it is good for our eyes to focus on the warmth and the protective hand of God that is wrapped around our lives, basically. It's what uh, the psalmist and what Ecclesiastes is telling us. This sweet assurance of his ever presence lets us know that he's pleased with us and that he gives us permission to enjoy ourselves. That's one thing that a lot of times believers don't realize is can we enjoy ourselves? Yeah, but in the right way as his love is engulfs us and as his arms are around us and as we're walking with him then we want to please him and do things in the right way but we can enjoy things can't we we can enjoy things as we walk through this life the living God is the Lord of light we're told let there be light in Genesis 1 3 and according to the prophets the son of the righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings in Malachi 4 2 the Lord of light is also the light of the world, John 8, 12. And so Jesus told us, he who comes to me shall not live in darkness. He opens our eyes to truth, to the light. It sets us free from the darkness that we lived in from being lost. We begin to see things differently once we receive the light, Jesus Christ, and and uh, once we receive him as our savior, we can really begin to enjoy his creation as he meant it to be. Even in this fallen world, enjoy it. Each day at a time, enjoy it. When the preacher tells us that we have many dark days, uh, or that we will have many dark days, he's not being cynical there, uh, or trying to get us depressed or rob us of our joy. What he's telling us is that that comes with life. But to the end of our days, there is sweetness for us to enjoy still. We, uh, uh, so we're, to, we're called to rejoice. And don't take life for granted, the, the preacher is telling us. Don't be a complainer all the time. And... Don't look at your problems and focus on your problems all the time. And that's, I know that's hard to do because some problems overwhelm us or we allow them to overwhelm us. We're to greet each day the way the psalmist said for us to greet it. And that is, this is a day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. Rise up every day and say, this is your day, God. Day that you made. May we rejoice in it and be glad. But he doesn't only talk to the old, older people. He talks to the young person. He says, rejoice while being young. Look in verse 9. Rejoice, young man, during your childhood, and let your heart be pleasant during the days of young manhood. And follow the impulses of your heart and the desires of your eyes. Yet know that God will bring. And this is very important when he's talking about that because it, it can give a misconception here. Yet know that God will bring you to judgment for all these things. The call to rejoice in life is not just for us elderly people or people who are growing older. Here Solomon's advice is for the young person to enjoy his or her youth. There is an old saying, 
And I recall it in a movie that most of you have seen probably around Christmas time. It's a wonderful life. Youth is wasted on you young folks. You remember that? You remember when he said that? On the youth. Youth, you know, uh, youth is wasted on the youth or the young. It's a sad fact that for many, when you finally have enough wisdom and experience to savor and navigate life, it's too late to enjoy it. And while old people are to praise God for the length of their days, the young people are to praise God for the strength of their youth. Thank God every day that you're able to move around and get around and do things without the joints hurting and all of this. And obviously the preacher isn't talking about getting drunk here, is he? He's not talking about getting downright immoral. He's not talking about indulging in the flesh. He has already mentioned the virtues of holiness and wisdom in his journey. Young people need to be able to be young. That's one of the things that, you know, a lot of young people today are missing. They're, they're having to grow up too fast. They're too busy in all these activities and the parents and I'm not taking away from activities, uh, you know, and for them to enjoy. But when we put them in these activities to want them to be something that, or, or achieve something that we didn't achieve, then it's all wrong. Young people have fewer cares that come with being an adult, like responsibilities. Adults have to be concerned about providing and taking care of the younger ones, the children. Adults have the responsibility of teaching their children the right ways of life and how to avoid the wrong ways of life. Adults have to protect their children and learn to gradually let them go, praying always that they too will grow in wisdom and enjoy life the way God has meant it to be. Youth have stronger bodies. Oh, yes, I can recall. Their hearts are full of good and cheer and, and easy laughter. They laugh at things that we find hard to laugh at anymore. Their future is full of possibilities of doing this and doing that. Young people still dare to dream and, and make a difference in the world. Young people follow their impulses and desires as to enjoy life. I'm, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. Young people should be able to be young. They should be able to enjoy themselves. And we should help them to do this. Teach them how to enjoy life. Growing up can be fun. Whether you have money or not. I know today they don't think so. I, everybody has to go on vacation and spend thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Okay, if you've got it, that's fine. But not taking out loans just to go on vacation, probably. But that's you, that's not me, if you do that. We as a family, we, we had fun on vacations. We always went and somebody else paid for it. Our relatives, we stayed with them. <laughs> as a child, man, I, I played from sunup to sundown in summertime. And sometimes too much during the wintertime and not enough school. But I... Man, I, you know, I had fun. I had fun as far as 
from riding pine trees. My parents didn't know it. You know, while playing Robin Hood and cowboys, trying to shoot the other one or pull them off their pine tree. I went fishing. I also swam in the same old water that I went fishing in. As I got older, I played more baseball. I played a lot of baseball and football and and did that kind of stuff as a kid too. But as I got older, my uh, perspective went more towards that. My attention went more towards that. As I I mentioned earlier, we sometimes would go on vacations. And most of the time, except for one that I can recall, we always went to see our relatives. I had some that lived in Alabama. Wow, we got to go to Alabama. That's right next to Georgia. Then we went further, yeah. (laughs) We, We got to go to Richmond, Virginia when they lived up there. Man, that was neat. Going all the way up there to Richmond, we swam in the dirtiest river up there. James River, whatever it's called. Oh, we would go swimming in that thing. And uh, we we went swimming in swimming holes, I mean, you know. uh, But we also went down there where the uh, yachts and all those were. And we would dive off of the, uh, the big boats into the river. Man, it was, we just had a great time. We uh, rowed yards. We even rode a a swimming lake one night, and they almost caught us. (laughs) We we did all kinds of fun things. Our cousins moved to Detroit, and we got to go to Detroit. And guess what happened the first summer that I went up there? We had to leave a little bit earlier because they were having the riots (laughs) in the 60s, and they were burning down Detroit. Parts of Detroit that we had to drive through. But, uh, you know, we went swimming up there. We went to, man, we went car races and we went skiing and we went canoe riding and it, it was great. Fun time. Then there was college. One of my cousins came down from Detroit. We went to Jacksonville State. Man, had a good time over there. I mean, we did all kinds. Of, the best some of the best times we went to Little River Canyon jumping off these cliffs over into the water. It was great. Don't recommend it for other kids, but it was great. We had fun. We'd lay out on the, when it got warm and, and kids, uh, the college kids were laying out in the sun getting that baby oil tan, we would be up on a tin roof uh, from our apartment laying out in it. I mean, my goodness, Uh, you know, they were more like brothers and sisters and cousins, the ones in Detroit. But we we had a lot of fun. One of the most uh, favorite times was when my cousin, who knew how to drive in the snow and ice, came down off Lavender Mountain and tied a sled behind it, and I rode on the sled all the way down. Only fell off once at the beginning, but then I held on for dear life after that. But the preacher here is telling the young people, be careful not to wish your youth away. Enjoy every day that God has given you. He says, rejoice, young men, during your childhood and let your heart be pleasant during the days of young manhood and follow the impulses of your heart and desires of your life. You know what he's talking about? As I grew older, and some of you, you remember when you were in school and you you got towards graduation or you got 
maybe uh, when you were in your junior year, maybe some of you in sophomore year, you said, I can't wait to get out of school. You thought, boy, out there in the work world, man, that's great. Can't wait to get out of school. And you start thinking along that line. We need to be careful. We need to enjoy the time that we have and not let it go by, not wish that it would go by. I mean, I wanted, he, he tells us, follow the impulses of your heart and desires of your life as long as they're not wrong. I mean, uh, I went to college. I went off to college, enjoyed that. I, I, I went to uh, uh, and taught at high school. I wanted to teach in high school and did not enjoy that. And, uh, but did it for a year and wanted to, uh, no, I did enjoy it. Uh, it I, I taught really two years. That was my first and last year. Uh, I wanted to, to date this girl that I met at a Sadie Hawkins dance. Shame on you, Mike, for going to a dance, but I did meet her at a dance. And guess what? I later wanted to marry her, and I did. But I was, you know, I, was I the most dedicated Christian growing up? My goodness, no. I got saved going into my senior year in high school. Did I know the Word of God? No. Inside and out? No. There was a lot that I needed to, to learn, but I had been taught between right and wrong by my parents, and I knew what to enjoy and what would get me in trouble for the most part. Did I always adhere to it? No, I didn't. My wife can tell you, but she won't. Young people are to enjoy being young, he says. But enjoy it the right way. That's what I'm trying to say. I didn't always enjoy life the right way. I at times still miss out on God's blessings because something maybe I allow to become more important to me than what God wants it to be. Leads me away from God, not doing his will the way that I should. So I need to, you know, I, I'm still growing. And I haven't met anybody that's perfect this side of heaven. Except the Lord in a personal way. This is why the preacher says, you know that God will bring you to judgment for all those things. In other words, Solomon reminds you, enjoy them, but enjoy them the right way because God will bring judgment. There will be a day of reckoning. And so in turn, this is a cautionary note. Now, he's not talking about, okay, you might lose your salvation. No, he's not talking about that. If you're a Christian, uh, we know that we can't lose our salvation, but there are rewards that we get or don't get. Don't so what he said about enjoying life, enjoying your youth, can be taken out of context if we're not careful. He's not condoning a life of sin. He is not telling us that we can do whatever we want to do. He's telling us that we can do the right things the way God intended for us to do it, and enjoy it. It doesn't matter whether it's fishing, does it? doesn't matter whether it's hunting. doesn't matter whether it's, it's uh, playing golf. It doesn't matter whether it's going to a ball game. It doesn't matter what it is. If it's done in the right way, enjoy it. If you're planting flowers, enjoy it. If you like mowing the yard, enjoy it, but do it in the right way. Young people face temptations. Preacher understands that well, but... He also believes that God is righteous and that he's a righteous judge. And so 
everything that we think, everything that we do can be held or we can be held accountable and will be held accountable. Therefore, he reminds us that every time we follow our heart and do what looks good to us, remember we have to answer to God and make sure that it's the right thing that we're doing. Young people should especially beware of the lust of the flesh, John tells us in 1 John 2, 16, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. The word judgment at the end of verse 9 is literally used as the judgment. And the preacher could very well be referring to the last of all judgments. The great day when God judges the secrets of men by Jesus Christ in Romans chapter 2 verse 16. That day may seem like a long way off and people say, well, you know, they use the excuse, well, you know, hey, that hasn't happened yet, that probably won't happen, and if it does, it's so far off. Well, you don't look at it that way. The judge is always near. He sees everything that we do, everything we do and everything we decide matters for eternity. So God looks to the ends of the earth, Job tells us, and sees everything under heaven. This means that how we spend our money, how we, uh, do, or what we do with our bodies, the way that we use our time, what we decide about the future, how we handle our relationships, what we touch, taste, hear, and see, all this matters to God and therefore ought to matter to us. Does this mean God hasn't forgiven us when we sin? Our failures, has he, he's still holding them against us and our mistakes? No. God has forgiven us for all that. He says he remembers our sins no more. The Bible tells us that. But what the preacher is saying is live wisely. Realize that each day is a day that God has made and enjoy it in the right way. As a youth, I once played golf out of high school in the last couple years and, and into college, uh, about once or twice a week. Debbie might say more than that sometimes. But there's nothing wrong in playing golf, is there? Nothing wrong as long as it doesn't play you or control you. It's just like anything else. It has controlled me at times, and it did at times. Guess what? Back then, golf controlled me so that getting mad and throwing clubs wasn't uncommon when I played. And people knew that that played with me. The club may not just fly through the air, but it might hit a tree or two or three and break three times. Not only did my anger get out of control, not only did it lead me into a mad spell, it made me look bad before my friends, and it cost me unnecessary money to get the club fixed or to buy a new one, which I didn't have most of the time when I was in college. So the anger helped make for a miserable golf game and also a miserable person. Not acting civil can ruin your reputation and make your life miserable. I think the preacher says, he calls it acting as a fool. Now, preachers telling the youth to enjoy life, rejoice in life, but do it responsibly. Enjoy life's pleasures, but not in lustful ways. Celebrate the gift of youth, but at the same time, follow God's commands. Just like 2 Timothy told the youth, he said, flee useful passions and pursue righteousness, 
faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So get all the cheer and the joy you as a youth can get out of innocent happiness. Enjoy whatever you see or desire, but mark it down well that in the midst of your enjoyment, God sees all. So verse 9 is, is, is not a verse to allow you to enjoy anything any old way that you want to. He says, enjoy it in a way that will be pleasing unto the Lord. Life must be lived with eternity's value and view. Your one life will soon be passed, and only what is done for Christ and with eyes fixed on Christ will last. So he says, have fun. Rejoice. Nothing better than to rejoice in a right way, is it? And have fun. I love to see people cutting up Christians and in, them enjoying it and, and just enjoying one another. Man, it, it is fun to watch that, isn't it? I even like to be a part of it sometimes. No, all the time, really. Solomon also calls us to not only rejoice, but to remove. Look in verse 10. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. One reason the preacher tells us to remove pain and vexation is because we cannot stay young forever. This does not mean that youth is meaningless. It does mean that youthfulness is vain or empty in the sense that it is elusive. It gets past you before you know it. And boy does it. It's like smoke that disappears into thin air and a mist that vanishes with the morning sun. One day we're young and strong, but almost before we know it, those days are gone and we can't even get out of bed in the morning hardly. So the preacher advises us to live free from concern about growing older as long as you can. It just enjoy your day. Now this not cynicalism or pessimism but realism about the limitations of life we might even call it a kind of optimism because Solomon is helping us make the most out of life there is a time to be young and strong and we're to celebrate its blessings and so that tells us to stop being a worry wart well what about this I'm afraid of this We've got a society today that's afraid to do anything almost. Man, we have, you know, you can't enjoy life. And I'm afraid that our children won't be able to enjoy it either, which would be our grandchildren the way that they should. If things don't change, that tells us stop being a worry ward. Oh, yeah, precautions where precautions are needed but we can't enjoy life if we're always scared. We're to live large. Have fun within the context of holiness. Don't always be thinking about getting older or what about this or what about that. You know, just enjoy life. Do you want to start a business? Well, if you have the money and have researched it and dug done the legwork that's needed if you're young go for it 
Enjoy it. What about if it fails? Hey, there's a lot of things fail in life, don't they? Just learn from what caused it, the mistakes there, and then, you know, if you have another chance, go for it again. What about college? I want to go to college. Search out all the financial helps that you can find. Jobs that you might be able to get. Working while you can go and, and go for it. As it's provided. What about, yeah, and, and then when you're in college, enjoy things, but don't take away from your education that you're there for. Go to the football games. Go to the other activities as long as they don't pull you away from your main purpose, and that is to get an education. And so he's just telling us over and over again, if you want to get married, find the right person. If you're a believer, then find another believer. Get together. Get counseling. Find out about one another. Have fun together and see if God is putting you together and go for it. Have kids after you get married if you want to and if you can. But if you're going to think that you've got to have enough money to have kids, you may not ever have kids. Especially in this day and time. But don't let it put you in a bind where it causes problems on your family. But be wise in how you live. Don't do stupid things that will hurt you. He's warning us not to shoot ourselves in the foot. Like Barney Fife did. Then verse 10. So remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body. Vexation there is combining of two ideas, anger and resentment. When the two are mixed, rebellion sets in. That's the result. Take a good look at the things that bring pain to your body, he says. Get rid of them. Whether it's with your diet, whether it's something that you're on, whether it's drugs, whether it's tobacco, whether it's using uh, how you use your leisure time, whatever it might be. And what, maybe it's something that you're watching, whatever. Be careful, guard yourself from one, running wild as God gives us a green light for pleasure and enjoying life. There was a dear friend of this preacher who waited and waited and waited for a great wife, the right wife. Finally found her, got married. Preacher said they had, this friend of his had wonderful daughters. Just everything a marriage could have. He went back to school to get his doctorate. He completed it. Got a great job. I mean everything that he had ever dreamed of. It was a storybook life until one day. He had an affair. But he kept it covered for a while. Until he had an affair with another lady. And then those two ladies happened to meet in the grocery store. And one of them began to talk to the other one and said, You know, I'm having an affair. I bet you didn't know it with a married man. She said, Really? She said, I, I was having an affair with a married man. And then they started talking about him without mentioning his name. Until everything began to say, this looks like the same person. 
which it was. And then they said, one of them said, well, the guy that I was having an affair with is so-and-so. And the other woman said, that's one I had an affair with. And so one of them got mad about it and decided to call the wife and let her know. Never cheat on the cheater. The friend of the preacher shot himself in the foot and lost everything. The advice that the preacher here gives us is to have fun in a godly way. Don't act foolish. Don't shoot yourself in the foot. Does someone have a bad temper? You know, I've been there, felt that way. Don't think that you can have a bad temper and cultivate friends. Let me tell you. They won't even want to play golf with you. You don't go to a party and say, hmm, hey guys, let's find the person with the worst temper and hang out with him or girls with her. Nobody wants to hang around with somebody that gets ugly and has a bad temper, do you? What about gossiping? No one likes to be around someone who is always running down other people and, and hurting other people with what they say. They know that that same person will probably, after you leave, talk about you. So the preacher would say, enjoy life. Quit hurting others if you have that problem by what you say. And then those like this friend of the preacher that had immoral life. Preacher would say, stop living that way. Confess your sins and start enjoying life the right way. And it may be costly, the consequences. You're only creating spiritual and emotional wounds in your life that will take a long time to heal if you continue down that path. How about doing business the wrong way? He says if you're making risky business decisions that could sink you financially, he says, get away from them. Get out of them. Start living wisely and enjoy what you do. Do the best you can do unto the Lord. Someone on drugs. That's not smart at all, is it? Preacher would say, give them up. Get into a program. Abandon them for good. Get an accountability partner and be truthful with him or her. When you're tempted. Have them pray for you. And be there for you. To help you. Because drugs are bad for you. And tear you down. What else? Preacher says this one thing. You're going to get old. Enjoy your youth. While you're young. As a youth. Wisely. Help your parents to teach you. The correct way. Older people. Life, most of it may have passed you by already, but you can help other people and you can instill enjoy every day with what God allows you to enjoy that day. You may not be able to do the same things you could as a youth, but you, there are things that you can still enjoy. I mean, I, don't you just love sitting on the porch or, or sitting in the sunroom or sitting out in the yard and seeing a 
sunset, beautiful sunset. What about man in the morning? You're getting up and you see the sunrise. It's beautiful. Getting out in the yard, maybe some of you, and planting beautiful bushes and flowers and all that. Or the guy just enjoying cutting grass, if you enjoy that. Fishing. And even if you're older and your body can take it, the turn and everything, you can still play golf. But enjoy it. Enjoy it the right way. Live wisely and know that every opportunity is an opportunity for others to see God in you and how much you believe in him and enjoy it. And maybe an opportunity to share with them about Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads and pray.